Welcome to the Harmony Church Podcast. For more information on service times, any upcoming events, or joining a life group, please check out our website, harmonychurch.nz. We really hope this week's podcast blesses you. I want to start with something funny. I heard about this lady who died, and she came... That's not funny, but it's just a joke. Just wait. I heard about this lady who died, and she came to the pearly gates, and St. Peter said, you can... You can't come in yet. You first have to correctly spell a word. She said, what word? He says, any word. So she spelled the word love, L-O-V-E. He said, welcome into heaven. Then Peter asked her to take his place for a little while and instructed her, if anybody came up, just to follow the same procedure. After a few minutes, she sees her ex-husband walking up. She can't believe what happened and said, what are you doing here? He said, I just had a heart attack and I... Did I really make it to heaven? He says, well, not yet. You have to spell a word correctly. He says, what word? There was a long pause. And she says, Czechoslovakia. <laughs> no, we're not like that, are we? We, don't, we can't be like that. Isn't that terrible? Terrible. Guys, this is today is the two-week countdown to the 16th. So we're very excited about it. And um, this Wednesday night, I want to invite you to come to the... Um, the worship and prayer night, we had about 107 people, 107 people here on Wednesday, last Wednesday. Obviously, not everybody was here in this room, otherwise we would have had 200 people there. Uh, but the thing is, though, you're welcome to come. Please come, because it's really fun. We have worship, we have prayer. It's only for one and a half hour, only till nine o'clock, so it's not that long. And uh, in the time of, as we're doing our prayer and fasting, you know, it's wonderful to take time out to seek God together and to do this together. Amen? We're trying to make room for more. Now, last week, I spoke about a holy disruption. Now this came from a word that Catherine released the, the week before called the word was disruption. And it was a powerful word and God started to speak to me about this word. So wow, this is so powerful. So if you haven't listened to my talk last Sunday, I would love you to listen to it because it was quite a, a powerful word. And I said to Catherine this morning, it should be on the Elijah list. I think it's not just a, a word for, uh, for our church. I think, it's the, I think it's a word for the church. It has so many ramifications in so many different areas, disturbing, dis- disruption, yeah, disturbing people's mojo. That's exactly what's happening. Some people need to be disturbed by God. Now, I want to read to you what Catherine put on her Facebook two days ago. It was so good that I shared it on my Facebook, and it has to do with this, Catherine. And this could go to Elijah House. This one. Elijah thing, not Elijah House. Elijah whatever the thing is. Larger list. Thank you so much. I don't even get it anymore, but that's not the issue. Here we go. When there is a, listen to me, listen. When there is a holy disruption, we are moved out of the ordinary into something of the extraordinary. Out of the usual routine into something different. It makes room for the new. It makes room for the more. It gives room for a different direction or course correction. It allows a shift. Fasting isn't merely abstinence. It brings rest to the body and mind so energy can be diverted and redirected into other priorities. God is wanting to break us out of our usual patterns, routines and habits and bring new adventures, new horizons, new works, not only in our lives but to bring transformation in our life systems, organization, our city and nation. I'll just add that to it. As the disciples' lives were completely disrupted when Jesus called them out of the known 
into the unknown. Their lives were turned upside down, transformed for all eternity. They in turn were part of transforming countless lives. They became world disruptors. We need to get some more world disruptors. I felt there was a, I feel there's a call to declutter, to simplify, to let go of what has been, to make room for more. Not only for the new year, the new decade, but a new era. Come on, give it up for Catherine, that's awesome. <clears throat> you are such a good writer, Catherine. Disrupt from the ordinary into extraordinary because people, God, for our lives personally and our families and our church and our nation, there's all these destinies that God has for us. <clears throat> and sometimes he has to disrupt our status quo in order to say, hey, I don't want you to go that way. <clears throat> I want you to go that way. Or I want to add something to it. Or I want to take something from it. Sometimes we need a disruption in our lives on the different levels of our lives. <clears throat> now, of course, in our, in our church, there's a disruption in the sense of there won't be a 10 o'clock AM meeting in two weeks' time, and some of you are grieving. Well, grieve, it's fine. But the thing is, though, some because it's not going to be the same, it's going to be a disruption because we have 9.15 and 11.15, because it will change because we're making room for more. There's a disruption. The fasting this morning, I haven't eaten now till now, and I'm very hungry this morning because I'm fasting the mornings, uh, the breakfast and stuff, and I can eat after 11. The thing is, though, for me, I'm hungry right now, but I'm not really hungry because I'm so hungry for God. And I'm taking this time to seek God. So every morning I got up, I always do anyway, we all do mostly, um, unless you stay, sleep in, stay in bed and sleep. In. <clears throat> and um, I seek God, you know, and do this kind of stuff, but now longer and more intense to, to make sure that I focus on Christ. But every person in the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, everybody had a disruption. Think about Moses. God says, hey, I want you to be a deliverer. He says, who me? I can't even speak. I'm stutter. And so I can't even do that because God says, no, I'm going to use you. And look what happened with Israelites. And they were able to go into the promised land. He didn't, but in the end, Joshua did. Powerful Saul in the Bible. We saw Saul last week, Paul in the Bible, who was Saul, you know, persecuting Christians. And then God changed his lives on the Damascus Road. He had a powerful, disruptive encounter with God, and it changed his complete life. We all, look at Jesus. I mean, Jesus, the eternal word of God, the eternal son of God. He left his glory. He's left major disruption in his life in order for us to get salvation. For us, he came as a word, as a baby, to go to the cross to take our sin, rose victoriously to buy himself a church. Sons and daughters, salvation. It's beautiful. The main biggest disruption in the world's history was that, that God became a person. Amen? There's all these disruptions that are going on in people's lives. It's very, very good. In all of these holy disruptions, there is always an invitation to destiny. I'll say it again. Every disruption, every holy disruption that's from God, is a good disruption, can be and should be an invitation to greater destiny, to bring new things, new worth uh, birthing things in and through your lives. And it's happening with all of us. Small things, big things. I think it includes marriages. I, I had a little fight with Catherine the other day. We don't fight much, but... <laughs> we were actually, one night, we were actually, Catherine had this cheap, cheap, cheap tickets to Queenstown. She bought like two months ago, $19 tickets. Flying. So we went for one night. It was like a romantic night, you know. To Queenstown, this, this, this Monday's Tuesday. You know, we had a big fight. Beautiful scenery, beautiful weather, beautiful people, beautiful food, beautiful everything. 
and we have a blimmin' fight <laughs> about something, right? And I felt quite bad about it, of course, I said sorry, which I always do, I go on my knees and... <laughs> and, and just said sorry, and, and the next morning, and we made up, you know, we had a great night, it was all good, all good. Um, but the thing, is, the, thing is though, the thing is, though, the next day, I really felt from the Lord. I said, I said, listen, God says, it's not just the big disruptions in your life. It's also the small ones. It's like a marriage because I felt, hey, my attitude was stink. Hers was too, but. <laughs> and, and both of us in our marriage, I thought this is actually an invitation to greater glory in our marriage because there is, there's attitude problems here. Because we don't, in this beautiful place, we don't need to, something has happened. It, it pushes somebody's button. Both of our buttons. And so it is an invitation. So it's not just on the macro level. It's also on the micro level. In your own life, the disruptions in life are sometimes, they can be really, really good for you. And so we go with the flow as long as we have love. And we say, hey, I want to humble myself in a marriage. You know, humble yourself and make things better. So it's really, really powerful in our lives. Now I tell you, the way you choose to respond to a disruption will determine how much life is going to be for you. And it's going to determine whether you're going to move into your destiny, into the stuff that God is disrupting it for. Because you can also run away. And many people run away. They have a little marriage thing, they have a marriage problem, and something happens, and they won't forgive, they won't let go. I've got friends of mine lost their spouses because they would not, stubborn, would not listen, would not whatever, 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 and they go their separate ways, and it's all over. Because disruptions, it can happen. It can really disrupt nations. It can disrupt things in a really, really bad way, too. So we've got to make sure that we keep our hearts right before God. But if we allow God to disrupt us in a good way, in a holy way, then it's an invitation to align ourselves to the purposes of God in your own life, in the church's life, in the city. Welcome, Ellen. In every way. Ellen just came back from Mexico. Welcome back, Ellen. I've missed you. I've missed you. Allow us. I tell you, the prophetic stuff in the Bible, I tell you, it's often very offensive. I tell you why prophetic is so offensive, because it will rattle our cages. You look throughout the whole Old Testament and the New Testament, any prophetic disruption unction will offend the flesh. It will offend the carnal mind, but it will give life and revelation to the spirit. And that's what God wants. And often we then stay offended by the flesh and by the carnal mind. They say, hey, you rock my boat. You, you rattle my cage. And then David Dell would say, why are you in a cage? Right? But the thing is, though, he does that in a life. Sometimes the prophetic people can be the most obnoxious people. But actually not because they're obnoxious. It's because sometimes because they bring a word that you don't like. Because it's the word of God. You say the whole time, they stoned the man. They stoned the prophets. Because they come with a word, they want to bring a disruption to bring greater glory and life and whatever to these people's lives. And people say, I don't want this, thank you very much. Don't rock my boat, my status quo, I like my life. Yeah. I tell you, the church is offensive. I know we think it's so beautiful. We're so beautiful people, aren't we? God is so lovely and kind and all, it's so beautiful. But the problem is that the gospel, it challenges to the core of the ungenerated mind. The carnal mind, right? And so offense, we've seen it in, in, in some of the stuff last year. Remember some of the stuff public? You know, I mean, some of the stuff that have been say, saying and things have come up. Because when people say Bible, well, Bible is not very cool anymore. Because Bible, you're rocking my boat. Yeah. You mean I can't do that? No, you can't do that. Well, I want to do that. Okay, but then you are on a collision course with 
God, the Bible, the church. So there is a sense of disruption. There's a sense of offense which the gospel has. Because he wants people, God wants people to come out of their ungenerated, carnal, selfish lives into moving into self-giving lives, being regenerated by the Holy Spirit, coming to sonship of God, son and daughters of God. Amen? Amen. Amen. So it's, it's powerful. It's rocky sometimes. Yeah. It's rocky. Jesus was a great offender. He offended particularly the Pharisees the whole time. You know, he just totally took them out. Because he wants things to be changed. He challenges the heart. Because we're stuff in the heart. Yeah. New Testament, we prophetic is beautiful. And I'm not talking about the prophetic this morning. That's why I really felt to say it, that's all. I'm talking about something else, but I may not have time for that. We'll see. <laughs> this is the first message, and then I've got a second message. Maybe next time I have two services. I can do one in the first service and the second. That's awesome, actually. We can do that. There is a solution. I like that, actually. I just thought of it. That can actually happen, right? So cool. Not today. What was I saying again? <laughs> it remind me what I was saying. Hey? Oh, prophetic. Yeah, the New Testament, you know New Testament. It brings life. It, brings, it pulls the gold out of people. It encourages stuff like that. Yes, but don't, don't be fooled, though. Yes, it's done in love, but it's also tough love. And I'll tell you something. I've been long enough in this job now <clears throat> to know tough love is really hard for people still. I'll tell you something else. Tough love is really hard for me. When Catherine gives me tough love, or some of your friends here give me tough love, or the staff give me tough love, it is hard. Because they're trying to disrupt my life. Because Gideon, I don't think the thinking is very hard. Uh, good for you. But it's hard for me to change, right? So even the New Testament, the, the, the prophetic thing, yes, it's based in love. I get all that stuff. But the thing is, though, there are disruptions to the status quo. Because change is happening, right? I mean, look at the reformers, Florence Nightingale, Kate Shepherd, William Wilberforce, Jesus Christ, Martin Luther King Jr., Martin Luther, any of those reformers. They, 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 they encountered, they disrupted the status quo. Yeah. So a change can happen. Yeah. There's people right now happening on high level, governmental level, all over the world. But also small level. Disruptions in our lives. But it can bring really, really good things into our lives. Amen. Okay. Just say hi to your neighbor. Okay, the second sermon. I just wanted to get that off my chest. Because I think it's so important, uh, particularly when we go into the whole disruption we're doing, but I think there's a bigger picture here of, of, of stuff that God wants to do in our lives. See, God wants to disrupt us to get to our heart. He's drawing us into his heart. He wants us to be fully devoted to him, fully aligned to him. He's after your heart. I love this. And without faith living within us, it will be impossible to please God. For we come to God in faith, knowing that he is real and that he rewards the faith of those who give all their passion and strength into seeking him. This time of 21 days of prayer and fasting, we are seeking him. He loves when we have a passion wholeheartedly to seek him. 
to spend time with him, to go face to face with him. I love this about David in the Old Testament. This is not even New Testament. This is Old Testament, Old Covenant David, who was called the man after God's own heart. Here's the one thing I crave from God, the one thing I seek above all else. I want the privilege of living with him every moment in his house, finding the sweet loveliness of his face, filled with awe, delighted in his glory and grace. I want to live my life so close to him that he takes pleasure in my every prayer. Do you feel that? Do you feel in this time as we seek God, you pray more, you seek God more, you fast a little bit? Do you feel that there's a pleasure there? Do you feel like every moment, Lord, I want to be with you. Every moment, Lord, my prayer, my relationship with you, I'm so in love with you. I so like hanging out with you. I love this, what he says in Psalm 15. Lord, who dares to dwell with you? This Old Testament. Who presumes the privilege of being close to you? Living next to you? In your shining place of glory. Who are those who daily dwell? Everybody say daily dwell. Amen. Daily dwell in the life of the Holy Spirit. They are passionate and wholehearted. Always sincere. Always speaking the truth. For their hearts are trustworthy. Who are they? He, he loved daily dwelling with his God. David. Who are these people who do this? These are the people who are passionate. They are wholeheartedly in love with God. Daily dwell. It was a daily devotion for David. My talk today is a daily devotion. That's the title of my talk today. <clears throat> Jesus often would go away. It says here, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and he would pray. He often would go away from the crowd because his most important relationship was with his father. He even said, I can't do anything without my father. He had such a close relationship with his father that he withdrew on a regular basis to spend time with God. Daily devotion, daily prayer. He actually says it was daily. Look at this whole thing in Matthew 6, 9. This is then how you should pray. The, the, the disciples just asked him, how do you pray? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Everybody say daily. Daily, daily bread. Now, I find it very interesting, and maybe it can help you in your sequence as and when you pray, right? Even in the season of in, in increased prayer. But hopefully it will stay with you and we won't change. Uh, because I think it's something that's some of the habits that we can build into our lives. Three things you can see here in the scripture. How then should we pray? Number one is God. Number two is kingdom. Number three is you. You are not number one. Your needs are not number one. Number one is God. Number two is the kingdom. Number three, then you get to play also. Number one, it says, loving God, hallowed be your name. We come to God the first five, ten minutes when we come in the morning to worship him, to give him glory, to hallow in his name, to give him, say, you are holy, you are righteous, you are powerful, you are glorious, and we just worship him for who he is. It's not about you. It's about him. Maybe you sing some songs and you adore him. Lord, we love you so much. You are so wonderful. You're so powerful. First, we adore him. I love this in Matthew in the Passion. Look at this. Pray like this. Our Father, dwelling in the heavenly realms, may the glory of your name be the center on which our lives turn. I tell you, you make my life a lot easier and Catherine's life a lot easier. When we all decide as a church... 
to make Christ the center of our lives, of which our lives turn around. That you stop having you as the center of your life. Because it often goes wayward when you make yourself the center. It's called selfishness. It won't work. You haven't got God in there because he hates the proud. And it's grace to the humble. It's just the way it is. So I suggest that we put it first, that our lives turn around here, manifest your kingdom realm in my life, cause every purpose to be fulfilled on earth just as in heaven. We acknowledge you as our provider in each day. We are not the center. God is the center. And as a church, we keep on, but people ask me all the time, what do you preach on? I said, Jesus. Well, what else do you preach on? Jesus. Anybody else? Well, yeah, Moses, David, but it all comes back to Jesus. But the thing is, though, everything revolves around Jesus, right? I tell you, it's really nice to focus, particularly the beginning of the year, to focus on him. Then the second thing is, as we worship him, giving him glory, giving him place, he's first. Then he says, your kingdom come, your will be done. So now we're talking about his realm, his rulership, his kingship. You are Lord, you are awesome. I want to live by your principles, your kingdom staff. We're not even coming to you yet. That's next. It's all about him. It's about about his kingdom, him first, then his kingdom, your kingdom come in my life, in my business, in my thoughts, in my heart, in everything that I do. I want your life to permeate my life. I tell you, again, my life a lot easier if you do that, because then I don't have all these problems that you have all the time, you know, come to me. Because the problems you can sort out with God, sort out with the kingdom, a lot of the things can be, I'm not saying we can't talk to each other, we can't talk to each other, we need sometimes counseling, fine. But the thing is, though, I tell you, when we take ourselves out of the equation a little bit and start focusing on God first and then uh, us, uh, then his kingdom, then it's amazing what starts to happen because it says, only then it says, number three, give us today our daily bread. Now, I find it very interesting that it says, today our daily bread. That means that you seek him every day because it is today I need my daily bread. That means every morning, it's not after, because you don't after, at night, 10 o'clock at night, you don't pray this today. No, it's already gone. It can be for next to tomorrow, but that's not what it says here. It says today, give me a daily bread. I tell you, when you pray in the morning, you have bread for the day. I'll say it again. When you, have, when you pray in the morning, you will have bread for that day. You have everything that you need for that day. He knows what's coming. God knows what's coming your way. When we seek him first, put him first, his kingdom, we see the things that are happening, a daily prayer in our lives. See, he wants us to seek his kingdom first and his righteousness. Then all these things shall be added unto you. Now, it says here in the, Messian, in the Passion Translation, so above all else, constantly chase after the realm of God's kingdom and the righteousness that proceeds from him. Come on, everybody say chase. I like that. There was a book out there, Tommy Tenney, called God Chasers. Guys, it says here, chase after what? His kingdom. You chase after him. You don't chase after your own stuff. He knows what you need. Don't you worry. Don't you worry. Remember he says so many times, don't you worry. Look at the bees and the birds and whatever else. Because we'd worry. We work on kind of stuff, you know. But he says, don't worry. He says, look to me. Chase after the kingdom, my rule and reign and my things that I am doing, and go with that, serve people, love people, do stuff, and then he will provide for you everything that you need, abundantly. Not just a little bit, abundantly. It says here, abundantly. 
Then we live in, the, you want to live in the abundance of God? Seek him first, do his kingdom stuff, and then he says, I like you. Boom. Abundance will come into your life. Each day, we focus on him, we bless him first. Then we're going to be fruitful in our lives. We can't be fruitful, fruitful without him. He says, abide in me. Abide in me. I love the scripture. Let's see. You can't run on empty. Abide in me. We said, I'm the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can't do anything. God is so longing for us to abide in him. To spend time with him. And as we do, it's amazing what starts to happen in our marriages, in our businesses, in our workplaces, in our friendships. It's amazing what happens when we put God first. And it's a daily devotion. Daily we spend time with the Holy Spirit in our lives. I wrote this down. A daily devotion will serve you well for the rest of your days. I'll tell you something. I said, I said, I said when we see people, sometimes when they come for counseling, I should ask them. Do you have a daily devotion? That's maybe the first question I had. Because it's not even pointless praying for you if you don't even have a daily devotion. Because you're asking for it yourself. I mean, you know what I mean? I'm not trying to be harsh. I'm saying to you, come on, you know? So number one is our daily devotion. Now, it doesn't mean that we have no troubles in our life. Jesus says, in this world, you have trouble like I have, but I've overcome the world. The, the thing is, what happens is, when we start worshiping him, when we start seeking him and looking for him, then his Holy Spirit will help us to guide ourselves and navigate ourselves through our day, through our lives. He'll give you the ideas, the thoughts, the, all the stuff that you need in your life to function properly. What? It's all in him. So let's go to him. Let's spend time with him and see what he does in our lives. Amen? So God has got a lot of fruit like we saw before. A harvest is ready, ripe. Fruit by picking. What are we going to do? Are we going to start gathering in the harvest? Are we going to start plucking, gathering the fruit of the trees that are ready in our lives? God so wants our lives to be fruitful, but it comes out of him. Now, three things I do and I'm finished. Three things I do. I did it pretty fast, actually. Sorry, I talk a bit fast because I want to have some worship. I may be a little bit longer today, um, worship. I'm saying to you now because I just think God should have the first. It's at the end of the service, but it's still first. Um, three things that I do. One. I have daily devotion every day, and I told you for many, many years now, three years in a row now, I have communion every day. This morning, every day. Every day, every day. Without fail. I have time, communion with the Lord. It has changed my life. I want to encourage you to have daily devotion, communion with the Lord in the morning. I'm not a morning person. I don't really care. The thing is, though, it says in the morning. You still got to go up sometime. Maybe 11 o'clock is your morning. Great, do it at 11 o'clock. But the thing is, though, you do it in the morning. You give him your first. And do this kind of stuff. And look to him. It's amazing what happens in your life. When you go into battle, you don't put your armor on. Ephesians 6, after you go to battle, right? You go before you go to battle, you put your armor on. It's not after you go to bed. I don't need to fight anymore. I'm done. Right? Two, that's the devotion in the morning. Devotion at night. My wife and I, and you can do it by yourself or whatever, is we always spend time for 31 
years now of being married, we have um, a 32nd year this year. We've always prayed together every night. We read something, word for today or some booklet or something. Before we go to bed, we always read. We always pray. So the second question we need to ask if people come for counseling thing. Are you praying? I did. If not, I don't want to talk to you. Go back. Go have daily devotion. Go pray at night together. And then come back to me and see if there's still problems then. Right? Make sure because couples who pray together, they stay together. It's just the way it is. But it's also for people who are single. If you're single, also have at night before you go to bed. Some people listen to the audio Bible. Listen to the Bible on, on, on your phone. Wonderful. Let's go to bed sleeping. I know Catherine Runal is very strong at that. She always will read the word as you go into. Be much better sleep, wouldn't you, if you go into sleep like this? The third thing, that's more individual. As a church, we want to pray more. Now we have 21 days of prayer and fasting right now. We're starting um, encounter nights every month. We have one Wednesday will be an encounter prayer worship night, like the things we're doing right now. Sometimes we have a guest speaker, like the, in uh, in uh, in. in um, March, we have Catherine Runala, who's there for the week for grace and glory. She'll be on the Wednesday there for the encounter night. But the thing is, though, we have time that we encounter God in prayer and in worship to make it a priority. I know somebody is starting a thing very soon on, on Tuesday mornings to do worship here, right here, 6.30 from, to 6.30 to 8. Have a worship time. We'll include prayer to be soaking, adoration on the way to work. You can come here to soak in the presence every Tuesday morning. It's going to be absolutely amazing, these moments that we do. I tell you, we cannot do the Christian life. We cannot do the New Testament life without prayer. Prayer accesses everything in God. All the promises of God are yes and amen, but we speak the amen. It's not just automatic, people. I'll keep on saying that to you. It's not automatic. God has given all this stuff to us, but we got to put yes, our faith towards this and say, amen, I believe this and I'm going to live this way. You can't have a relationship with God without prayer, without seeking his face. You can't do spiritual warfare. You can't take captive those thoughts without prayer. So I'm asking you, please take time to pray. And I suggest make it a daily devotion. Often the flesh is weak. But the spirit is willing. Kathy, you want to come up with the band? I tell you, it's also the best therapy. It's just to spend some time with God. When you feel emotionally exhausted, or you're struggling, or you're fearful, the best thing to do is go to God. Put some worship tape on, worship music on. Put some, whatever you do. Spend time with God because he will renew your strength I love this in Isaiah it's one of my favorite scripts in the Bible 40 31 but those who wait on the Lord they will renew their strength they mount up with wings like eagles they will run and not be weary they shall walk and not faint and I love it and I've said it many times before but some of you are new in this church that word wait is 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 um that word uh kava kava everybody say kava kava is the word wait which means a twisting motion uh putting yourself in a rotating twist motion around something. And so what he's saying, when you wait upon God, that means like you wait, you put yourself, you build yourself like ivy around Christ. He's the solid rock and you build your life around him. When you hold him, when you spend time with him, then you'll see a renewal of your strength and your mind up. I love it in the Passion Translation and I'll finish with that. Don't you know, haven't you been listening? Yahweh is the one and only everlasting God, the creator of all you can see and imagine. He never gets weary or worn out. His intelligence is unlimited. He's never puzzled over what to do. 
He empowers, come on, he empowers the feeble and infuses the powerless with increasing strength. Don't you want increasing strength? Come on. Even young people faint and exhausted. Athletic ones may even stumble or fall. But those who wait, quava, those who quava themselves in God's grace will experience divine strength. That's what we're after, people. We're after divine strength in your life. Every day of your life, where you go to work, whether you play, whatever you do, divine strength of the Holy Spirit. They will rise up with soaring wings, fly like eagles, run the race and growing without growing weary and walk through life without giving up. This is what abiding will do for you. And it's first fruits again, isn't it? First fruits again. He says some of us run out of time because we don't spend time with God. Some of us running out of wisdom because we don't spend time with the wisest person who ever existed. And it's God, for goodness sake. Some of us run out of energy because we're running ourselves. We don't go to Him and sit with Him and build our lives around Him so we have our energy from Him. We run out of peace because we don't spend time with the peacemaker. We run out of joy because we don't spend time in His presence. In His presence is fullness of joy. There's no joy in the world. Yeah, there's some kind of a joy for a little thing, whatever, whatever. But the blasting, powerful joy in the midst of pain in the midst of struggle, it's always going to be him. We run out of money because we go and put money first and give him first fruits. We always reap what we sow. And I suggest in this time that we sow into our lives with God, sow into our relationship with God and get it really, really tied with him. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much that you're drawing us into your presence, that you're drawing us into intimacy, that you're drawing us into being face-to-face with you. Dwell in your presence. Dwell daily. This is what we crave, like David, Lord. This is what we crave, Lord, to be in your presence, to worship you, spend time with you, to find strength in you, where our weakness goes into strength, where our sorrow is changed into joy. Thank you, Father. Lord, we invite the holy disruption in our lives. We invite the holy disruption in our lives which brings us closer to you because we know that all the life that we need comes from you. And so we dedicate ourselves to you again now. In Jesus' name.